Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Think of one person that's not in this room and one person who's not a family member. that has either influenced your life or has had a meaningful relationship with you and you care a lot, but you haven't prayed for them in a long time. Tracking with me? Okay, take, take, let's take a minute. Just think about that person, who it is. If you can't think of anybody, think about me. Okay, now let's hold them before the Lord. God, look on this one with your kindness. Father, look on this one in your nurturing ability. Would you bless them? Bless them with the revelation of your love. Bless them with the goodness that you have prepared for them from the foundations of the world. Guard them. Lead them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Rescue them from every unseemly situation. Help them to walk in your love and your blessings and take care of them Because I love them, and you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this morning, kind of continuing on some themes we've been looking at. And I'm sure that most of you have either heard through the news things or whatever about the the pastor from the Midwest, I don't know, Indiana or Illinois or someplace, that... uh, got discovered that he was in adultery and that had been going on since the woman was a girl and the horrible scenario that all that is and that just angers you and you, you want to scream and everything. But one of the things, one of the little things I read about it you know, in all your little news apps and it has the headline and right under the headline, it just talked about his fall from grace and how he fell from grace. And that angered me a little bit, to be honest with you. So let me ask you a question this morning. What does it mean to fall from grace? We're small enough now, you can go, let's have, let's do class this morning instead of. What does it mean to you when you hear the words, he fell from grace? Fall back into works, anybody else? There's, I'm not looking for a particular right answer here. I want to hear what you think. Sin. He, he what? Into sin. He fell into sin. Say it again. Well, I know what I hear, but I don't think I believe it. What I hear is that because he didn't do the right things or because he did the wrong things that he lost his grace. Ah, he lost he his grace. Yeah. Fell from grace. Yeah. Say it again, louder. You can't, nobody's ever said that to me in my life. 
can't really escape grace, right? If, if we could, it's not grace. Mm, that's an interesting concept. Is it a Christian concept? Is your heart convinced of that? But did you hear some of the... Why is that there? Why is the little nagging doubt... And I'm not picking on you, Danny, though I would pick on you often. (laughs) We get those little nagging down and normally I would say normally when I've heard the headlines or somebody saying that about somebody who is famous or this this guy is in charge of this is nearly always a guy sometimes it's a gal sometimes it's in a public school and it's a gal but they fell from grace as though grace was the commodity that led them or kept, was keeping them from disobedience and suddenly they become disobedient wretches and they've fallen from grace. But that's not really what the word teaches about it at all. And so I want to look at this morning so that our hearts get secure and I'll explain why. Because this becomes a much bigger and broader teaching when it comes not into the, just the dysfunction and sinning of one or two people, but the dysfunction and sitting of peoples. Everybody's. Go ahead. We apply the grace, falling from grace to other people, it's a little more obtuse. If we apply it to ourselves, because we forget, we forget who he is. So here's a great one you can all lift your hands to. Anybody in here ever fallen from grace? Uh-oh. We have an example in Paul. He says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? I mean, and he, you know, God saved him from being fallen, but he still then afterwards said, why do I do that? Was he under grace when he said that? And I think this is what you're getting at, Kirk. Was he, uh, was, are we under grace when we fall? We can only fall into grace. Say it louder. We can only fall into grace. Let's look at some scriptures that it's actually centered in and how it gets taken out of context. And we'll look at it in three different versions. And I'll put two of them up there and then just read the third one to you. But let's read this together. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised in your flesh, I'm going to do a little aside there, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who became circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You've become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You've fallen from grace. 
That's where that term comes from. You've fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Is he addressing falling into sin? No. What's he giving a warning about? Legalism. Trying to get your life right when you get in the flesh by you trying to do it to show to God that you're really not as bad as what you did. It's harnessing and taking on things onto the human soul that Paul is then urging this church. As a matter of fact, we go back to chapters 1 and 2. He said, what the world happened to you guys? That you've exchanged the gospel that I gave you to go back under law? He said, are you bewitched? Did somebody cast a spell? You know, they're saying Creedence Clearwater. You know, I put a spell on you. You know, What's wrong with you guys? This is a church he planted. He's going, the liberty actually is to stay in grace. And when I try and accomplish my life in God through the law, I've exchanged it. And he said, be careful, you're falling from grace. Does grace imply any place here that you lose your salvation? Your walk with God? Your relationship to him? Now we all know when we get in the flesh, it feels strange, doesn't it? Strained and strange. There's that awkward dance of shame. We're more comfortable with people doing that, but really the awkward dance of shame with God when you've done something that you didn't want to do and the next morning you wake up and you're going, oh, how do I pray? And you're disgusted with yourself and disappointed and discouraged and you couldn't do it perfectly. And so instead of falling into grace, you go, I'll try harder, God. I won't do that again. I promise. You just fell from grace. The big buzzer from heaven needs to shake us to our core and go, Uh, And most of us, honestly, because we're just humans, we now suddenly want to avoid God. We do the same thing that Adam and Eve did when they got into the flesh. I want to hide from God. Instead of running to him, I suddenly want to run away from him. And then that makes the day worse. And by the afternoon, I've had three fights with the people that I work with. And I go home and I'm mean to my loved ones. And I'm mad at myself. Look at the way that Phillips says this. Plant your feet firmly. It gives a better image, doesn't it? Instead of stand fast. Plant your feet firmly, therefore, within the freedom that Christ has won for us. And do not let yourselves be caught again in the shackles of slavery. Listen. I, Paul, say this to you as solemnly as I can. If you consent to be circumcised, which for them was to go back under the law, then Christ will be of no use to you at all. 
you're trying to do it through means outside of God. You're depending on yourself again. I will say it again. Every man who consents to be circumcised is bound to obey all the rest of the law. If you try to be justified by the law, you automatically cut yourself off from the power of Christ. You put yourself outside the range of his grace. For it is by faith that we await in his spirit the righteousness we hope to see. In Jesus Christ, there is no validity in either circumcision or uncircumcision. It is a matter of faith which expresses itself in love. Again, he's emphasizing, I love the way Philip's translation did this. He's saying the very thing, the very acts of what we're trying to do here when we stumble aren't really the cause of our loss of liberty. Nor is it the cost of your relationship with God. I'm always cautious now, and you've heard this before, when, when believers come up to me and say, so how are you doing with the Lord? I'm incredible. That should be our automatic answer. It's phenomenal. It's really, it's even hard to me to kind of sing wilderness songs anymore. He has won it. Christ has done it. He did everything. He did it. We don't believe it, so we pull scriptures forward that have already been fulfilled and try and say they haven't and try and make them apply to our life that if we'll just get these three things right, God will promise to help me be an overcomer. He's going, I did. I came. I went to the cross and I was raised to your justification. It's done. Celebrate me. It's really hard to celebrate after you did something stupid. Isn't it? Is this too close at heart this morning? You all being very quiet. This way, uh, Peterson put it in the message. I don't. I, I want you to just hear it. I didn't put it up there in writing. I want you to just hear it. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Wow. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I am emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. Doesn't say it's gone. It's squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. The minute I present my excuses to God as to why I got in the flesh, I'm in the flesh. That's what he's actually saying here. The minute I take up my self-justification and present it to you, I'm actually in danger 
of hindering your grace. I suspect you would never intend to do this, but this is what happens. I love the way Peterson says When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. I receive again my salvation on an ongoing basis, understanding it changed everything. It changed me. I have a new nature. It doesn't mean that I'm not capable of doing something stupid, but it does mean that I am very stupid if I keep trying to make it right on my own. (laughs) I can't do it. Why is this so important? Why do we want to emphasize this? Well, first of all, let's let's look at how it happens. Because most of us, now you guys have been Almost all of you have been with me a long time now, and so I don't think I hardly ever teach where the word grace doesn't come up. Uh, But I do want you to see how even grace-centered people, how it happens. And here's how. You come to Jesus because of grace. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved by grace. I totally believe it. But then you hear that you need to pray more, give more, serve more, to produce fruit, or get blessed, or hear a teaching regarding that uh, all we have to do to combat the forces of wickedness in our land and regain favor with God is to utter expressions of repentance over something we didn't do. Or we have to show God through humbling ourselves. These are all good. We we love this kind of language. We do. I do. My religious heart loves this. Just humble ourselves and repent for the wickedness of all the people around us, the others. Then it will position us to receive from God. And we use Old Testament passages and pull them forward into Christ to make it sound really good to ourselves. And we like, here's the thing, religion likes to get a hold of each one of us in our heart because it somehow makes us feel better and we get our thoughts off when we were in the flesh. Just making sense? Or it sneaks up on us this way. Some well-meaning teachers decided that everything wrong in our land is because the church isn't doing what she should do. And since judgment begins at the house of God, now it is high time for us to... That sounds good, but it's not liberty. 
And it sounds like it might work, but God's not impressed with it, even if there's a million of us doing it. The only thing that impresses God is God and a heart that yearns for him. He does have a couple of things he's prejudiced about. It's widows and orphans and the poor. But no amount of us doing that is going to gain more favor from God. We're not going to get more grace that way. We'll look at how you, where more grace comes in just a minute. The problem is, is that you get caught into a thinking pattern that if we do these things, we will merit God's favor and grace. There was only one who merited God's favor through what he did. And that was his son, Christ. And the favor that you get, you now get as a gift. Free. But it wasn't free for him. It's free for you to receive it. Be careful when those messages start. And so I'm going to give Lloyd's warning about the future. And I'm not going to, I'm not a prophet. I'm not anything. I'm just a guy. But it's starting and it will build momentum. Why? Because we don't like what's going on around us. And somebody's got to be to blame for this. Yeah? It's starting. Be very careful your heart doesn't get pulled into it because you will discount God's grace by trying to gain it through what you do. It doesn't work that way. Being in the flesh here actually isn't talking about sinning, the passage of scripture that we just read. It's not talking about sinning at all. It's talking about that being in the flesh is trying to gain God's approval by the things that you do or the things that you quit doing to gain his approval. And it doesn't work. I'm going to fast and pray till the walls come down. And I'm not, I'm not poking that at anybody or any ministry. It's just stuff I'm starting to read and I'm going, oh. I'm going to obey the law because it will be pleasing to the Lord. Oh. Obedience isn't a means to have relationship with God. Obedience is the fruit of your relationship with God. Always, always, because if it's the means to have a relationship with him, you will fall from grace and you will stumble and he'll let you do it. That's his grace. The pastor I began with, he actually didn't fall from grace. He fell into it. He got caught. He got exposed. God loved him enough to let him get caught and not live in that lie and to continue to hammer that poor little girl with the lie, making her live with the lie 
And the lie begets another lie and it goes down to the next family member and the next one and cousin Eddie and we're in a web of lies. So God in his grace went, buddy, you can't live justified by pretending that that didn't occur. Is sinning being in the flesh? Yes, but hear what Paul wrote in Romans about it. This is in Romans 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All grace <laughs> reigns through Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Now, I know that we use this when somebody gets water baptized. This is not what Paul was talking about. He was using symbology to explain how we had died. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That is what it means to walk in grace. I, I, I seldom use equations because you know how I feel about it. You've heard me rant and rave about equational living. It doesn't work. But here's one that you can hang on to. Martin Lloyd-Jones so expressed it in his exposition of Romans. After he gets into Romans 6, does this passage and he says, look here. He died you died. He was buried. You were buried. He was raised from the dead. You were raised from the dead. What's true of Christ is true of you. So the life I now live, I live to God. Because that's what it says that the next thing that he did. He died. And the life that he lives, he now lives to God. How? Faith Galatians, what we just read, faith working through love. The love of God did all that to me. Faith is believing God. Do I believe that? Do I believe that he loved me so much that even when I stumble, he's there to uphold me and will not let me go? Are you giving us permission to sin? Certainly not. How are can we who died to sin live any longer in it? You're not a successful sinner. It is impossible for a Christian to sin successfully. Matter of fact, it is impossible for any human being to sin successfully because the result of it is what? Duh, we're so stupid right here. In the middle of our forehead. I'm under such temptation. No, you're not. You're under the strength of Christ. Well, I'm going to show God now that I'm serious. <laughs> 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 I 
I mean, it makes you want to belly laugh. Yeah, yeah. How many times did I try that? I'm going to pray it in. I don't think I ever had calluses on my knees. I didn't pray that much, but I sure tried hard. Did you? Come on, some of you came out of the prayer movement. Did you? I tried really hard. I did everything they said, and I did that, and I did that, and I did that, and I was still stupid. And would still try and gain favor on my own. And then something happened. His love broke through. And if I ever thought the Keith Green song was meaningful back in my hippie days, suddenly it came to life. Like waking up from the longest dream. Trying and trying and trying. And then you shined into my heart and said, buddy, I did it for you. Just come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Does that mean it doesn't matter if we do that? You're misunderstanding. You've fallen from grace if that's your statement. Not the people that are trying to live in grace. The one who accuses them that you can do whatever you want in grace. I have the freedom to live fully in Christ. Wow. And nothing can take it away. There's grace. Nothing can take it away. Not even my futile attempts at legalism. Well, I only got halfway through my notes again. Hmm. Listen. In Galatians 5.1 where he says, keep standing firm and don't be subject again. Make this stand in your life. I will no longer do self-justification. I know this is you making a statement. I'm not going to do self-justification. And when I blow it, I'm going to run right into the arms of God because I have no less grace at that time. I have more grace. I don't have less grace. I have not fallen from grace. I have more grace abounding to me. Well, that means live however you want. Now you've fallen from grace. Do you see the, the trap that's there? There is an abundant grace that God wants to release unto each one of our hearts so that we live in the freedom of Christ. The church often gets into a very uh, exacting moment of when, when society is going to pieces, then the church rises up and says, we have to have a zero tolerance for sin. Have a zero tolerance for legalism. Have a zero tolerance for that. Because that's somebody trying to put you back under the yoke of bondage. Run into God's grace and say, oh God, keep me. Keep me. 
just keep me. And I refuse to sing those old hymns about, about my soul being prone to wander. No, I don't. Come thou fount, he came. I'm not prone to wander. I'm prone to run right into the arms of Christ. Because that's what my soul longs to be nourished with, is the life of the Spirit. Now I want to close with this. Stop telling yourself you're in a wilderness time. You are not. You're in Christ. He hasn't gone to any place. He didn't give up on you. He quit liking me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He likes you. He loves you. He gave his son for you. It's the greatest, most powerful thing that ever happened in the universe. Read the end of Romans 8 to yourself again. I came home from Iowa and Brenda told me, I've been reading Romans 5 through 8 again. Man, she was just lit up like a Roman candle. I got preached to for a while. You should have that. It's really good. Keeps you in freedom. Man, go back there, reread it to yourself, but don't let somebody put you under bondage. Don't do it. Jesus paid a very high price for your freedom. Stay free. Staying in the freedom that Christ purchased for you applies to the arena of your faith and entrust in the completed work of Christ for you. Not for the church, not for the world. Individualize it for you. Believe, receive, trust. That's faith working through love. Believe, receive, trust. Nobody can take that from you. So before we honor our kids, let me start with a question. So how are you doing with the Lord? Couldn't be better. See, that's actually the message people need to hear that are in bondage. Well, I'm, I'm trying really hard now to, not to get mad at because they said, and gas is... And, and then they're doing those marches. I live in freedom. Christ set me free. Guys, I'm a happy old guy. When I get in the flesh, they make me mad. And then I'm not a happy old guy. So how do I stay out of the flesh? Run into the freedom of Christ. And abounding, overflowing freedom of His grace. It's amazing that all those people we don't like, He died for. And we call them enemies. But when we were Christ's enemies, He died for us. Would that not apply to them? Well... <laughs> 
they're a little worse than I was. Oh, come on, don't do that. They weren't, most of you weren't half as bad as I was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. Pray with me. And then we're going to honor our young ones. Oh God, let the abounding, overwhelming grace that is found in you, Jesus Christ. Paul said it was in you. Let it abound in freedom to our thoughts and our emotions, our way of life, who we are as people. Give us that freedom. Give us what Danny talked about in, when we were at, doing the questions. Give us that assurance. Yep, I know God. I know God. Let us say with Paul, I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I have passed from death unto life. I am no, I'm not under judgment. I've been set free. In Jesus' name. Amen.